exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. This is another exposure. Actually, this is sexposure for tonight because we've got the Olin Health Center panel here. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Wild and crazy because it's that time of the month. But I'm sorry. It's the first Tuesday. First Tuesday of the month, which means that we do have sexposure tonight. And I'm your host, Melissa. Um, and, you know, we've got the lovely panel from Olin Health Center here. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves really quickly? Sure. I'm Andrew. Uh, yeah. I'm Casey I'm Katie Erin This is Dr. D Alright, and if you guys have any questions um, over the next hour Feel free to give us a call at 432-3893 So how is everybody doing tonight? Good I'm I'm, uh, hoping that our loyal listeners will be on top of things tonight To realize there's an election going on And Mm -hmm. you need to think about that uh, If you haven't thought about that And there's also a hockey game on the way over here I realize there's a hockey game tonight Mm -hmm. A ton of people going there What's that? I realized that when I tried to park Yeah, and Mm -hmm. there's other things going on So uh, we know we have a a loyal listening audience out there That tunes in to Sexposure So we're all glad to be here Because we're going to be talking about a lot of sensuous things tonight. Yes. All kinds of things, right, Anne? It's going to be delightful, you know, I and mean, we're going to talk about sex, which is always fun. I mean, what part of, of talking about that isn't fun? Uh, <laughs> Though, if you guys... Especially when your mom's listening. Yeah, well, and if people are a little bit too nervous about, you know, asking questions on the air... We actually discovered that we have a screen name that you can uh, IM us at. So if Yay. you have questions that you'd like to be a little bit more secretive, the, the anonymity of AIM, um, you can check us out at Impact Exposure. So, uh, yeah, yep, that's the screen name. And once again, the number is um, 432-3893. That's AOL Instant Messenger, right? That's yep. That's on. Well, I don't know. Can we, can we offer our complimentary prize pack to those who instant message too? I'm not sure. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah. I don't know. But if you do call in, you will get the the honorary uh, Olin prize pack, which we have to rename because Marshall's no longer here. He's probably listening. Hi, Marshall. Yeah, uh, and, but you'll get the complimentary uh, prize pack for calling in and leaving your name. And in that pack will be anything from flavored lube to the newest condoms to... Uh, Douglas J. Massage. Douglas J. Massage. Really all kinds of stuff. We'll I do. People I do. love the massages. Maybe the Casey prize packs. Uh, we, we, we could do that. We yes. could do that. We can... C-style prize packs. Yeah. yeah Cheese slice, maybe? I don't know. We'll come up with something. So, Either way, you want that prize pack. So <laughs> you want that prize pack, and we may be offering another complimentary uh, gift. I can say gift, right? Gift. It's, it's mm-hmm. that cutting, cutting the edge there. No. Complimentary prize later on in the program when we uh, ask for uh, uh, a special question I have for tonight. But what are we going to talk special about tonight? Questions. Casey, what are we going to talk about tonight? We're talking about sexual health versus healthy sexuality. Is there a difference, right? Yeah. The tonight's program is cleverly named, Do You Think You're Sexy? But it's sex E for sex educated. Thanks for doc- yes. to Dr. D for that brilliant idea. Don't blame that on me. No, well, it was your idea. I'm giving you credit. There's no blame. <laughs> well, and um, we're going to be talking about sexual health um, versus healthy sexuality and sexuality versus sensuality. It'll be a nice linguistics lesson. Mm-hmm. It's all about linguistics. <laughs> really? Yeah. You want to talk about the upcoming events first, and then we can go into the program. Sure. Sounds good. Katie is yes. here to talk with us about World AIDS Day. So World AIDS Day is coming up on what day? Friday, December 1st. Okay. So what are we doing on December 1st? We're putting ribbons on 250 trees up and down and near Farm Lane to commemorate some of the people who have passed away from AIDS and we're also painting the rock the night before in preparation of World AIDS Day. Okay, so we're really going to do a lot of awareness then, right? Yes. Okay, so look for those red ribbons out there on the trees and um, and say thank you to all the people that have put those up in, in memory of the people that are living and, and have passed from HIV. So World AIDS Day is really about, you know, kind of a time to reflect 
you know, we can't necessarily call it a celebration because obviously we will hope to never have to celebrate World AIDS Day again, right? It's the goal. Just raise awareness. Raise awareness. And um, on that day, we're going to be testing, right, Andrew? Yes. Okay. Are we doing walk-in walk-in te- testing? Walk-in testing. Yeah. Is it complimentary? Complimentary, <laughs> as always, walk-in testing. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So you can come and see one of our counselors, and we'll talk about um, you know anything you want to talk about, and then we'll go through and have the test. You'll come back the next week to pick up your test results. It's anonymous. Mm-hmm. Come on in. Yeah. And if you've never been tested, and I think roughly what, about one quarter of our population report being tested for HIV. Mm-hmm. And, and if you've not done that, it's you know it, it's an option for you. It's an option. Come on in, and we can answer questions at the same time. We give you. Uh, your status, uh, and a lot of people have questions about that. So, and it's not just on World AIDS Day; it's any day. It's complimentary. At Olin, just come on in and and uh, uh, fill out the forms, and we'll schedule your appointment. Mm-hmm. But enough about that. Let's move on to our topic. It's been a real interesting couple of weeks because uh, uh, some of you know I also do a column in the state news, and I did one uh, last week on on a woman who had written in and wanted to know if. Uh, uh, it was normal not to have reached the the big O, the big, uh, as we would say. And she, I think she really phrased it that she couldn't find a way to enjoy herself, which we interpret as is getting to that thing that people call the orgasm or the climax. And so, it brought up a lot of discussion as well as some some uh, emails that we won't refer to that I that I received that uh, once again confirm to. Uh, those out there that I may indeed be a pervert. Uh, you know, I call them the pervertograms because I get them because anytime you talk about sex in a public situation, it seems like there are those people who like to label you because you are giving information of a nature that they don't agree with necessarily. So it's made us, it's made a lot of conversation about uh, what is sexual health because I think talking about that topic, about whether a person... Uh, needs to know about how to achieve an orgasm, if that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Is it sexual health? And because someone argued with me, that's not sexual health, that's, that's about pleasure. And so it's like saying that uh, uh, you can't talk about sexual health unless it has to do with avoiding an STI, sexually transmitted infection, or not how, not how to be sexually assaulted, or how to uh, clean your genitals. And is that really what sexual health is all about? <laughs> you know, every time you say pleasure, I want the Jaws music to come on, that do 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 But is it okay to talk about pleasure? I think it's okay to talk about pleasure. I think, well, I think we, we should be. I think it's a huge part of sexuality because I think there's reasons why it does feel good. There's a reason why there's a large number of nerves right there, you know, mm-hmm. and the clitoris. The clitoris, yes. It's and, pretty. Yeah. <laughs> well, it only took us five minutes to say clitoris, <laughs> and it's, it's pretty good on sex exposure here. Um, you know, I think that, you know, keeping yourself, you know, healthy as far as STIs goes is really important, but also knowing who you are and what you like and why you're having sex and how to enjoy it is also a huge part of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also kind of think that, um, and I'm kind of playing off of something that a guy friend told me as to the justification for the manual approach to pleasure, as in (laughs) talking about masturbation here. He was saying to me that it's a stress reliever for him. So things like that, where you you don't often think about, um, well, the pleasure part actually being involved in, like, that that stress relieving makes you feel good releases those endorphins which can help like you know um deal with depression maybe even um and deal with obviously stress so like there are also those aspects to it where it is actually just healthy for you mm-hmm. well i think it's part also important to point out sexuality is not only just you know what you hear about sex it's sexuality is part of your your whole personality mm-hmm. as a person it's who you are and so taking care of not only the physical needs but also the mental needs of that person, of yourself, is very important. And sometimes things like orgasms can go a long way towards doing that. 
You know, Andrew brings up a good point, is that sex is only really a small part of sexuality. I mean, it's just that uh, way, one way one way in which you express your sexuality. Sexuality, as Andrew said, is everything you are as a male and female. Mm-hmm. It's, it's how you dress, how you look, what you talk about, uh, your values, your beliefs, everything. So sexual health is much broader than just avoiding STIs and, and uh, knowing how to use contraceptives and things like that. And it's interesting you should say, bring up the, uh, and I'll say Melissa brought it up, within six minutes we are talked about clitoris and masturbation. It's pretty interesting. But they got their hands up and everything. Yay! Uh, it's real interesting because I, I teach a class at LCC called The Psychology of Human Sexuality. And I gave them a test last week. And one of the questions on the test was, what is the main purpose for masturbation? And they all, they all kind of jumped around there and they answered different things. But when you look at the research and when you talk to professionals in the field, the main reason for masturbation is to actually relieve sexual tension. So in many ways, it's to relieve tension and, and to let a person uh, uh, feel that release. And, and, yeah, there may be some pleasure involved. But how would you know this if you didn't have education about it? You know, most people don't understand it. But, you know, we talk about it. People get uh, all... Uh, Excited about it, and I mean excitement in both a negative way and a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we start to com- compartmentalize things that are acceptable to talk about and not acceptable to talk about. And we start to do that at such a young age that such you know so many things become taboo, like masturbation. Why is it not okay to let your kids touch themselves? You know, well, why you is know, that not okay? Well, you know, I had an opportunity. It was about five years ago. Jocelyn Elders, former Surgeon General, was on campus, and I got a chance to tour around with her when she spoke at different places. And I once asked her about, you know, she was fired by by Bill Clinton because she made a a speech uh, out in Washington when she talked to a bunch of educators, and she said, maybe we should be teaching masturbation in the school systems because that would be a way for people to relieve that tension and not have to get involved in intercourse, which there are so many possible consequences of intercourse, everything from an unwanted child to, to SDIs. And, and I talked about it, and, and she said, you know, this culture isn't ready to talk about things like that, although to actually educate about something like that would have probably been real beneficial to people in moving forward their sexual health as well as society's sexual health because that way we'd probably have a less unwanted children brought into the world and less STIs passed and things like that. But she was fired the next day by what we most of us think it was a fairly liberal president, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And just imagine if somebody in this administration oh, <laughs> was yes. to suggest that. And what I'm saying is that we're not ready in many ways as as a society to really deal with information of this nature. So Anti-progressive in sexual health. <laughs> but, you know, sex, sexual health, I mean, you know, when Casey and I were, were talking about what would be the agenda item tonight, we, we talked about sexual health and what does that really mean. But... How would you broaden that definition of sexual health? And I mean, most people, when you say sexual health, you know, especially if I go downstairs to gynecology or someplace mm-hmm. in the medical community, say sexual health is make sure, in, make sure that you have your pap smear once a year or, or as needed by your you know, professional and making sure you keep your genitals clean and you wear a condom and stuff like that. But sexual health is so much more. It is. It is absolutely so much more. I think we have to define health in general. A lot of people think it's making sure you don't have a cold. And a lot of people think it's, you know, includes mental health or an emotional health. And I think all of that is included in sexual health. If you're only worried about STIs and that's the only thing that's important to you, maybe that's what you need to do to keep yourself sexually healthy. But if you want to have a relationship with a partner, sometimes that, you know, involves emotions and mental issues too. And so things come in like communication and um, orgasms can be a huge problem in a relationship, you know. Well, well, let me ask you, let me ask you, do you think knowing your body, actually knowing your body is part of sexual health? Absolutely. Don't give me one-word answers. Elaborate. (laughs) Well, I think you made the point earlier when you were talking about masturbation and it not necessarily being encouraged at a young age, but you know, taught so people know or, or kids know what it is. That provides an opportunity for for them to discover their own their own body and understand what they like, what they don't like, and all those things. And a lot of times that that might be see why might be why you see problems crop up later on in life uh, when they're in their teens and their twenties or they get to college and they don't know those things yet, and they're put in a situation where they're finding it out faster than they'd like to. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. 
I think also it comes, it brings up a good point on body image is that how can we talk about, you know, talking about our body and discovering our body when we don't even love the body that we have? You know, the majority of people out there have issues with looking at themselves naked in the mirror and exploring that and, and they don't find much exciting or beautiful about that body. And so if you can't appreciate yourself, you know, how can you start to share that with other people and start to talk about sexual health? Some people completely negate sexual health because they can't face their own body. They're it, so ashamed about it. Yeah, it was very interesting. I, I got an email from actually a parent on last week's column who said, I want to thank you for writing the things that, that were put in there because, number one, it gave me permission. It actually gave me permission to think about the fact that I am entitled to have pleasure, you know. And number two, it gave me information. She said, I didn't know anything about the clitoris. I didn't know about nerve endings. I didn't know anything about the vaginal barrel. I didn't know what about anything. You know, I came from a very uh, restricted, informational family and, and, and upbringing. So I didn't really know anything about that. So it really gave me permission to actually start to explore my body. Not that I want to be fired like Jocelyn Elder, but it gave you permission to actually take a look and see what it is about your body that... that that uh, you should know. And about not having information, after um, my my parents were listening to last month's show and we were talking about, you know, did your parents tell you about all of these different types of sexually transmitted infections? And then I was talking to my mom afterwards and she was like, you know, in my defense, when I was learning about sexual health education, there wasn't HPV and there wasn't HIV. And so, you know, me not being able to inform you correctly really wasn't that I was, you know, thinking it was taboo. It was that I didn't know myself. And so it's important to have, I think, shows like this and the column and Olin Health Center's resources so that people can get the information that they want and have that permission and feel comfortable. Well, you know, we just we just assume this. And I'll ask Melissa because she she was out there as a as a mentor once, and she was out there with as a rep from ASMSU and out there. Do you think people really want this inf- information, or we just assume they do? Do people really want to hear about uh, sexuality and healthy sexuality and sensuality, or are we just living in our own little fantasy world here? <laughs> Well, I think that, um, especially because, you know, I deal, well, dealt with freshman girls a lot, that it would be kind of a topic of tee-hee-hee, like giggle, make, you know, blushing, and then, oh, you know, we can't, we can't talk about that. Like, um, I, I don't even think that people really have developed, especially like in their first year of college, whether or not they want to hear it because they're so accustomed to not being allowed to hear it. So, and if you think about how um, sex education in high school, especially since things seem to be moving more towards abstinence-only education, you know, you you come to, uh, I guess, a liberal school such as ours, and uh, you hear a show such as this, it's like, oh my god, they're talking about sex on the air. And, you know, I was kind of surprised. Um, I just remember one time in high school when know a friend of mine we were talking about this one song that was on the air and we're like oh well you know it's about masturbation right it's like oh yeah yeah and then one of our our friends chimed in he's like what are you guys talking about well this song that's been on the air and he's like oh well I wouldn't know anything about that because I'm not gay because he assumed that you know masturbate he equated masturbation with homosexuality and it was just like this kind of outrageous sort of bridge that he made so there are a lot of like uh, misconceptions coming into that first year and like especially girls on my floor like when we had sex jeopardy there was a lot of blushing too but um when I did sex jeopardy on my floor as an activity to challenge people with what they knew what they didn't know first off I found out that girls on my floor knew a lot more than I gave them credit for Uh, which was very surprising because, like, they kind of kept it hush-hush. And also, too, they found out that it could be something fun to talk about as well. So, like, that's how I sort of broke in my floor into, like, the idea of talking about sexuality was by using a fun game with a prize at the end. Um, So it it was huge. Like, I would say probably three-fourths of my my floor came out. and they, they actually wanted to take that and had like, wanted to do a, a guy versus girls Jeopardy after that just to see, like, what guys knew in comparison. <laughs> and so I think that once they realized, like, well, how much they knew, they wanted to know more, and they were excited about it. But it, it is getting past that, that initial hump of, well, no, no, blushing, cover my ears, earmuffs type <laughs> mentality that can be quite difficult, so... 
Yeah, and I think those conversations do happen a lot behind closed doors and with friends and stuff. But I think the more informed that they can be through, you know, especially educational things like Sex Jeopardy, the better off those conversations will be because they're actually talking about things that are accurate as opposed to just what they've heard mm -hmm. or myths that have been propagated around. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really interesting. Last week, I think I was telling Aaron that in my class, we were, we were covering sexual response. So I gave the class an opportunity to... Uh, to split up, and, and I apologize it's because the exercise I gave was a very heterosexist exercise, but I had the, the the women leave the room, or I had the men leave the room and let the women stay, and I had them both generate a list of things that they always wanted to tell a partner about sex, about what to do in sex. And, and you know, at first they all looked at me like, are you kidding? <laughs> what do we do? And nobody would say anything, and then all of a sudden when they felt they were protected... They were in an environment where it was conducive to actually talking about. They just started spilling out. Tell him this and tell him that and tell her this and tell her that. And it was just amazing how they... they and they, I watched them, and the dynamics are really amazing as you watch them because all of a sudden someone will say something and they'll go, you feel that way too? Or... That's how you believe. I thought I was the only one, you know. And and some of them, you know, they, they get a little risque. You know, like the women were saying such things as, you know, when when performing oral sex, don't grab my head, <laughs> or, or such thing. The women would say, you know, my, my breasts are not radio dials and stuff like. And, and they would laugh, and there'd be nervous laughter going on. But you saw all these these people, you know, some of them in the back of the corner going like this, and all of a sudden they, they'd wake up like. You know, I can actually talk about this. I can learn about this. I'm not the only one who feels about that. And you saw a lot of permission being given and a lot of people going, hey, if I feel that way and everybody else feels like that, maybe I can speak up for myself. Maybe I can say, no, that's not what I want or this is what I want. And it was just a real exercise in communication. To Afterwards, someone were leaving going, wait till I get home. I'm going to tell him this and I feel like I am now, I have a consensus, like I'm not the only one that's going through this and other people feel this way and I need to do that. And that's part of healthy sexuality. It's part of exploring what other people think and other people believe and feeling like, you know, you're supported you know, mm -hmm. in that. I remember doing that exercise when we were in health advocacy. We did the same thing. And... I think one of the main things that you got out of it, I mean, being in the room full of guys trying to come up with these things that you'd want to tell girls, and it was just like, you're not alone, because you'd say one thing and everyone else would be like, yeah, yeah, put it down. <laughs> and it was just kind of funny, because it, you know, it was very easy to agree on, on those kind of things, and it, it's just kind of funny that you're not as alone as you think you are when, you, when you're thinking about you know, things involved with sexuality. Well, and, and I really saw, I really saw uh, especially with the women, feeling empowered you know they in in my class there's, there's a lot more women so they were like yeah oops yeah i want you to know that this is what i need and you know and the guys <laughs> would back up a minute and go <laughs> okay you know and, and it, it just felt more of an empowerment there, which i thought was real interesting I think it's important too, especially like to to feel empowered and to feel supported by a group of people. But then, how do you translate that into talking with your partner about it? Because when it's you and another person that you want to be intimate with in one room, I mean, how do you talk about that stuff? How do you approach it? Well, it's kind of what you know, Casey, and when she was writing up an agenda for tonight, because you know we we try to follow somewhat of an agenda, <laughs> right, Casey? You put on the you know. Right one. You know. <laughs> No, knowing, no, being sexually healthy is also knowing what you want, you know. And, and so we're trying to follow a kind of a, a script here where we say knowing your body, but then feeling permission, and then having an information, you know. And the exercise we did was about information. So once you once you know your body, and, and you have permission to feel like you know. Yeah, if we're not creating a little sparty bundle, then the reason for sex other than that is pleasure. So I have a right to pleasure. You have to have this information before you can actually tell somebody what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, there's another exercise that we do, uh, not in the class, but as part of sex therapy. It's called sensate focus. Sensate focus, and we were going to talk about sensuality too. Sensate focus is an exercise, and I'll give a couple, uh, whether it's male, female, male, male, female, female. Uh, what I do is I have them go home and I have them take their fingertips and touch every part of the body of the uh, of their partner, except for the genitals. And the genitals and erogenous zones are, are out of limits. You touch every part of their body, and then you have to report as you're doing that how it feels. The receiver has to report every part, because 
how many times do people not talk about you know, or experience the rest of their body when they're involved in any type of sexual experience? They have to feel what the senses feel like, the whole senses. Both the giver and the receiver have to report the whole thing. And you really take, take the, you know, the genitals and the erogenous zones off limits and, and you make it off limits. And you'd be amazed what people come back and tell you. I didn't know that, you know, touching the back of her neck was so sensuous to her or that it would feel so good for me or I didn't know that rubbing her head felt so good to her. I mean, touch is really one of the predominant senses that if you're going to talk about sensuality, it's really all about the senses. And so sen sensuality and sexuality are, are go hand in hand. So sensate focus is one of those exercises, I think, for couples that really kind of gives you that bridge between sex and sensuality. And I think it's great because it's something that um, couples who choose to not be sexually active can do and still experience each other's bodies and be intimate. Very good point. Because we talk about sexuality and things like that, so much or so little of it is actually sex. I mean, you don't you can be intimate with someone without ever having to touch their genitals. And I think people forget that sometimes we just slide right into that kind of behavior and it's hard to No pun intended, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No pun intended. Um Well, it's it, you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. You one, just jump in. <laughs> one of the uh one of the uh couples, an older couple in a movie I showed them about sex after 50. It was an interesting movie. I showed them that and one of the couples said, "Yeah, he goes from mouth to crotch in 2.5 seconds." Mm -hmm. And I think that's somewhat of the mentality of this culture and society is that they don't spend a lot of time uh, exploring their sensuality. Because sensuality is, I think, you know, a lot more uh, pleasurable than sexuality is in many times in expressing your sexuality because you're exploring your senses. I mean, uh, what else is there? Well, I think that's also a way to improve communication between partners if you can talk about stuff like that, mm -hmm. then you should be able to talk about anything, really. Yeah. Well, you know, the other question in the test last week was, what is the primary benefit of sex therapy? And they all were like, improved orgasm or, or multiple orgasms. Well, the main benefit of sex therapy is communication. It's really getting in touch with each other about how to communicate, as you said, what you want, what you like, and how to do it. It's all about communicating with a person because you can be in two different sensual experiences. You know, you might be a very touching person and your partner may be a very visual person. Oh, you know, uh, and there's all the other senses that go along with that. So, mm -hmm. no, And I agree because I think, like, the hard part about communicating because, like, the whole awkwardness to get over. What is so, so like, awkward about it? Well, Tell me. <laughs> Callers, like... call in at this number. 432-3893. And tell me what's so, I, I'll say darn, darn awkward about <laughs> communication. You can say that you like the Spartans or hate mm -hmm. the Spartans. Some of the letters I see in the paper sometimes, oh, I hate Granholm or DeVos or this. But when it comes to talking about sex, it's too awkward. What's so awkward about it? I think, like, because I... I think part of it is the fact that, you know, there's sort of almost this fear of rejection, this fear that maybe your partner's going to think that you're strange. Like maybe mm -hmm. if you say something like you like or you don't like, maybe you're not sure that you are supposed to like it or maybe you <laughs> would offend them if you don't like it. Um, and so that can be tough because you don't want to you don't want to hurt their ego and you also don't want to like bruise your own self-esteem in the process. So it can be a little bit nerve wracking. I kind of view it as like public speaking. Mm -hmm. Like this, the first time I ever did this show, I was so nervous. I was practically just shaking. Like I, I well, I was shaking and like, I was like, how can anybody <laughs> That's because we had you demonstrating condom. That's yeah, this is shaking. true. This is true. But I, you know, and I was, I was terrified. I was absolutely petrified. And then it, you know, you just kind of have to get over that, that hump. You just got to jump in. Like Aaron said, just but not get too far, it. not too far. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I kind of view it as public speaking. The more you talk, like the more at ease you'll be. And maybe like not with just that partner, but with the next one, like the more comfortable you'll be. So, you know, it's one of those things that practice makes perfect. And I think like those exercises, the reason why they are so beneficial is it because it is getting people used to talking about things that they wouldn't normally like talk about so well i think yeah i think it's a trust building thing i think you start small and then work your way up it's not like you're gonna jump in first time and you know say this is exactly what i want you know because it's i mean some people can do that but i think if you build up to it it makes it easier mm -hmm. or sometimes it's if you're so focused on making sure that the other person is having a good time you forget to ask what 
for what you want or you neglect yourself in the whole process. Everything you all are saying is, is right. I mean, it's it's all about that. Sometimes when you speak your mind or know your body and know what you want and you say to your partner, well, that might give the message that, hey, the way you've been doing it all this time has not been right, so you are inferior. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can, the messages that come through when you talk about sex. Uh, you know, it's it's just, it's not as easy as sometimes I make it to be, but you need to explore what's awkward about it, and I think that's what we're trying to do. Though I think a way to get over it, and something that, like, just from personal experience, is realizing that this is something that is mutually beneficial for, mm -hmm. like... Um, your partner is looking out for you as much as you're looking out for them. Like you, you know, you want to please them and they want to please you. And so realizing that, you know, if you communicate to them that eh, this doesn't work so much rather than take offense to it, that's just one way that they can work to improve like, um, the mutual beneficial pleasure, um, in that like relationship. So. And like you said, it is like public speaking. So the more you can use all of those wonderful techniques you learned in your communication classes, you know, like, I like blank, when I feel blank when you blank because blank, not like, dude, it soaks when you do this, you know what I mean? Like, well, fill in the blanks, folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, my parents are listening, so I can't uh, do I that, so. <laughs> but, you know, using those, I feel, key, right, Casey. yes, you know? <laughs> and so, and then it's it's not embarrassing, it's, you know, I happen to feel this way when you do this, you know, whether it be positive or negative emotion that you feel, you know, and how important is this to you because it's very important to me and that kind of stuff can put it in a light that's not just, you know, do this or don't do that. And I also think that um, it makes it easier when you're telling something that somebody maybe you don't like something if you add another positive aspect to it that you do like about things that you two maybe do together okay you, I mean, the approach even saying that it's important for a person to know what they want you know because sometimes people go into to uh, wanting to express themselves sexually and don't know what they want and, and you really do need to know that. I mean, you need to know, and that's part of, you know, we're not, I'm not condoning exploring your body, masturbation, anything, but you really need to know what you want out of this experience. And, and before that, you even need to know why you're, you're doing it. You know, why are you doing it? You know, I, we always say, and Aaron cringes sometimes because I always say this, but it's the only reason for sex other than procreation is pleasure. So if you're not doing it for one of those reasons, you really need to ask yourself why you're doing it. And then once you decide, you know, why you're doing it, do you really want to do it? Because there are a lot of people I hear from who don't necessarily want to be involved in sex but feel they have to or or it's their duty to or there's a reason for it that they're not comfortable with. I mean, you have the right to say no to anything and you have the right to say yes to anything as long as you, you're both consenting adults and making sure that consent is, is a sober consent and you both nobody's being manipulated here. But you really need to know that. But then you need to know what you want, you mm -hmm. know, and... and uh, yeah, communication isn't easy sometimes, but when you feel like you have that permission and you know what you want, it makes it a little easier to public speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think sometimes you get hung up on the vocab. Like, you know, what do you, what do you call a penis in front of someone? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, there's like 500 words for a penis and a vagina. <laughs> and how do you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure there's more. If you go on urbandictionary.com, there's a thousand. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, so so saying the right words so you don't get embarrassed or embarrass the other person. Like, well, what what is a chubby? What, what does that even mean? Like, are you serious right now? <laughs> you just had to get chubby in there, didn't you? I did. <laughs> oh. But, but but you see, you know, it's. I funny. We could kill the show with with tons of different. I could. I learned a new one last night. I can't say it online. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we do we do have all these different words that we do use. Uh, you know, even even when. You know, in a column last week, I said, you know, it was about orgasm, but the person who actually wrote the thing couldn't say orgasm. They had something like feel good, how to feel good. And, you know, we've said everything from orgasm to the big O to climax to whatever. You know, we don't, we, we dance around the topic because it, it is awkward at times and we're not quite sure what to do. And, mm -hmm. and you know, it's, uh, you just, part of it is just practice. Part of it is you just have to go into the situation knowing, hey, my truth here is that this is why I'm doing it. This is what I want to do. This is what feels good, you know. And uh, if it doesn't feel good, then make a decision mm -hmm. not to. 
And I think um, another thing I was thinking about when I read the question in the state news is the the um, person who wrote in said, you know, we have a great sex life, but I just can't, you know, enjoy yeah. myself. And one thing I was thinking was if you have a great sex life, is orgasm your goal? Or can you enjoy sex without having an orgasm? Can you enjoy intimacy without having sex? You know, like just, again, knowing what you want and why you want it. There's a lot of of gray it doesn't have to be I'm sexually active and I have an orgasm every time because that's what sex is. Right. It can be I enjoy sex. So how how okay. do, how does one know what they want? When you don't really get a hell of a lot of education or parents don't sit you down and say, Okay, here's your options for pleasure. They really don't do it. <laughs> so how is it that you find out what you want? I mean you were talking about healthy sexuality here, you know, and, and we we we're trying to explore what it what that means. So how does somebody know what they want? You know, when you go to college, many times you're not sure what you want when you get here, but then you kind of discover it through trial and error and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is that how you do it? Actually, I was going to say, like, I kind of have sort of explored, like, two options. Like, the trial and error method. It's pretty easy to figure out quickly, like, what you don't want. Like, from past relationships, I realized quite, <laughs> quite blatantly what I don't want from um, certain relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I think like you have to bring in, um, like certain values as well. Cause mm -hmm. like a lot of people might be coming from maybe different religious values, um, social values from your friends, um, how you value yourself, like mm -hmm. just your, your personal, like self-reflection upon like your, your self-esteem as well as like sometimes like sad to say self-worth as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think like those tie in as well besides like trial and error. It really starts with yourself, I think. Mm -hmm. to, in order to have a healthy sex, you know, healthy sexuality and a healthy relationship, you need to understand kind of where you're coming from, your own body. Do you respect your own body? Because if you don't respect your own body, then, you know, are you going to put yourself out there to be respected? And um, this is kind of that self-exploration, and I think taking the time to do that for yourself is extremely important in order to be able to communicate what kind of things you want and knowing what you want from a relationship and from yourself. Anybody else? No? Okay. They're all kind of, just looking at me here. Okay. <laughs> Put on your dancing Need shoes, us. I think. No, I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, well, I was thinking that we could have people call in and try to guess the uh, the top ten uh, enhancers of sexuality. I don't voted. know. It must be those male endorphins or what you call them because it, I'm looking at the same thing. Oh, really? You're thinking the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, That was a very gender stereotyped comment. We want to give away some, some, uh, well, some of the prizes, right? So some of the cheese slice prizes. Call us at 432. Brought back. <laughs> the cheese slice prize pack? That's what they called. They don't actually have cheese slices in them, but that's disappointing. 432-3893. Um, <laughs> and uh, try to guess what the, the top ten enhancers for MSU students for uh, sexuality, for sexual attractiveness. Well, we have to we have to give some background on this, and I think that's what take it away. That's what because <laughs> like some people might misinterpret this because I'm yeah, starting to think of something. Yeah. Well, uh -oh. also I, I'll tell you what if if somebody will call in uh, besides what Andrew said, if somebody will call in and give us their idea of uh, an enchanted evening, so we're talking about healthy sexuality, and healthy sexuality doesn't always have to be expression. Of sexuality, which is your, which is sex, uh, or, or or that part of it, it can be what your idea of a sensuous evening is. So if you call in and give us your idea of what a sensuous evening is, or enchanted evening with with a partner, uh, we will give you a complimentary Life RX testing. And if you've never Ooh. been through the Life RX testing program, it's a pretty good uh, uh, you know evaluation of. Uh, your physical self. Uh, I know Melissa's been through it, right? Yeah, I kind of realized I wasn't nearly as healthy as I thought <laughs> I was. But we'll, we'll give you a complimentary. Health is relative. Health yeah. is relative. Plus, like, it, it did make me think about, um, well, certain, I guess, like, certain practices that I needed to exercise more. Um, also, just, like, taking into account, like, what I was eating, like, how I was exercising. So, it was helpful because, you know, I was under this assumption that, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to pass this with flying colors. But it is relative because, like, you know, I was very flexible, but as far as, like, my strength goes, like, not so much. So, I mean, there were good things, but then it was like, I am weakling. <laughs> so Accentuate it, the positive. A positive 
I'm you know flexible. It, it takes about an hour <laughs> to do. You yeah. come to Olin, we assess your your aerobic capacity, your strength, your endurance, your flexibility, your cholesterol, everything. You you call in, give us your idea of enchanted evening, and, and we'll give you a complimentary testing for that. Now, what, what Andrew is saying about top ten enhancers and detractors, when we ask students to tell us what from a partner or a sexual situation, what enhances that situation and what detracts from that situation. And I've got about 5,000 students I've asked over the years, what's the number one enhancer to a sexual situation for you and what's a, a detractor? You call in and give me the top two enhancers or detractors and you will get that complimentary Casey Price pack. <laughs> you can also... Instant messages, right? What's yep. the? Yeah. I thought we haven't figured out how we're going to give prizes for that. How are doing the instant yeah. messages? Well, I mean, they could always give us their they name. They could anonymously type in their name. We just won't read it out loud. Yeah, no. yeah, like that's always a possibility because, <laughs> um, or even if like an email address where we can contact them at afterwards. So, um, if you don't want to be on the air um, and answer the questions, you can always check us out at Impact Exposure, um, and that's an AOL screen name. So, well, it's just say so you no, know, you know. Facebook pictures is not on the enhancers list. Although you'd think it was if you went on and saw the the news feed that says 500 of your friends have updated their profile pictures. Okay. Inappropriate. Where you can't even see their face. You can just see that their hair is curled and they're wearing a low cut shirt. Yeah, and like the half face. Like the half faces. Okay. Uh Let's let's talk about sensuality for a minute. You know, we were, we, we, we decided that we were going to talk about sexuality and sensuality, and uh, uh, let's talk about sensuality for a minute. You know, when we talk about sensuality, people t- tend to think of only in sexual situations, but sensuality has a lot to do with your five senses and how you use them to uh, uh, experience the world and experience another person, you know, because we forget that, that the our eyes uh, in the auditory, the, the smell touch all those things have to do with a very sensual experience so give me an example what you think an sensual experience is give me one see i was just gonna say because i was thinking about like the perfect date in Mm -hmm. terms of like sensuality Mm -hmm. and when talking about communication because always like the worst dates are the ones where you can't talk to somebody Mm. so like going to the movies Mm -hmm. absolutely the worst first date you can ever go on Mm -hmm. um then i was thinking well the best first date i ever why is that for you though why is that? Because, like, well, you can't really see the person. Uh, um, so you're always kind of looking over, like, do they think that's funny? Like, what do they think is funny? What? How are they responding to this movie? Because, you know, maybe I think it's terrible. Why are they laughing? Yeah. He just got shot in the head. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> um, and you don't learn anything about them. Like, you don't, because, like, finding out about somebody's family or um, what somebody wants to be, what they're doing with their life at school. Like, all of these things to me are just important because it's like... Uh, so it's creating intimacy yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it was like the best first date that I had was actually going to an ice cream shop mm. and getting ice cream. So it combined, like, talking with, like, the lovely lighting and um, then ice cream. And I was like, you know, and I love it when guys cook me dinner. Well, of course. Especially with, the, like, some great jazz music in the back. That's a plug on the air right there. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz was on last night, well, wasn't it? Sensuous, mm-hmm. sensuous experience. I think you've named several of them right there. Uh, sharing a meal to get together for a lot of people, it's a very sensuous experience because it's visual. It, it's it's uh, kinesthetic. You can feel it. You can you can smell it definitely, and you can taste it. A very sensuous. Tell me some other sensuous uh, experiences you think. Going to the coffee shop. Going to coffee mm-hmm. shop. I love going to the. See, I involve food all the time because that's really sensuous for me. I enjoy food a lot. It is sharing a meal. Mm-hmm. Others. It's just going for a walk or doing something outside. I think. Um, just I, just being outside can. I don't know. I like it a lot. So well, I not not to stereotype men down the board there, but a lot of men are very visual. Men use their their, their visual senses very much uh, in essential experience. Other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, laying in bed Sunday mornings. Laying in bed Sunday mornings. <laughs> doing nothing. Maybe that's just because I'm yeah. lazy in general. But <laughs> watching football. Watching football. Sitting on a couch together. Mm-hmm. Massage. Massage. The best first date I had was um, walking through Beale Gardens, just talking. Mm-hmm. Walking the dogs. Just going out to eat, too. Being able to have a conversation with someone. You can right. learn a lot about them, learn their sense of humor, all that stuff. 
Well, a lot of people talk about Sanchez's experience of taking hot tubs together, mm -hmm. uh, taking showers together, things like that. Very sensuous because of the feeling you get, all the things you're waking. You get, like scented oils and stuff. Mm -hmm. Scented oils, mm -hmm. other things. Burning candles, you know that smell, getting that smell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, they say like the the sense that's most associated with like your memory is the sense of smell. Like that's the thing that stays the longest. So I mean, then like after that experience, that candle, that scent is always going to remind you of it. So mm -hmm. like, um, like the you know I can always remember like a guy's perfume or not perfume I should say. Oh, sorry, <laughs> okay. cologne. Sorry. Um, you know, but like that smells very. It's just it sticks in your memory. So smell is really important. It's too. so important. I I tell this story all the time because I think it's hilarious. But I used to live in a house full of girls, and we knew that a guy wasn't going to stick around if he had the bad morning smell, right? Was if it was not good. <laughs> so I remember Katie. I distinctly remember Katie coming down within the first few months downstairs, and we we're all sitting on the couch, and she says, "He's not a keeper. He's so great, but my room smells gross." And I can't handle it. So it's it's that smell. Like, it's not necessarily that it's a gross smell, but that it's just not a smell that's conducive to you. So smell is extremely important, I think, for women, too. Well, you know, you're, you're talking about the, there are two senses that uh, we're born with that predominate when we're born with, uh, predominate after you're born. There's a sense of smell and a sense of touch. They seem not. They seem to predominate in babies. The babies can smell certain things, and when you touch certain things, and they they need both of those those things. So you're bringing up two really important senses that are involved not only in your daily living but in sexuality. Because, uh, and you'll see as we get to these uh, enhancers and detractors. But we have, we have no takers on our enhancers and detractors yet. I'm, it's kind of not surprising that the smell was such a strong factor for all your friends because <laughs> you think about smell and you're like. What sense do you have that's 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 stronger at bringing back a memory for you than your than smell? Mm -hmm. You can smell something and it reminds you of you know ten fifteen years ago, yeah. and it's just like that. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. kind of crazy. It's almost instantaneous for, mm -hmm. for most people, and it's uh, it can be uh, it can be repulsive to, to people too. Mm -hmm. You know, smell something and go, oh man, I remember the smell of liver when I was five years old. <laughs> it's not exactly. Or like when we were at the conference last week and. The hotel smelled like Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Like every single time I walked outside. <laughs> was, Aaron was like, this lobby smells like Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> and that was not a bad thing for me. <laughs> Some people <laughs> might be. Um, it's interesting looking at these um, enchanted evening stories that I, that I brought in with me. Um, almost all of them are, you know, smell or touch or something to do with the senses. Should we, since we yeah, don't go have ahead, any one. Aaron, do you want to do the first one? Sure. Um, this one says, I come home to my boyfriend who broke into my apartment earlier that day. He's made dinner, which is waiting for me under two tall candlesticks. There's soft music playing in the background, maybe Alicia Keys. We eat dinner together, and then he takes my hand and leads me into the bedroom, where there's a bottle of champagne on my nightstand and rose petals decorating my bed. We lay in each other's arms all night. Melissa's drooling, by the way. <laughs> just mention of food. She just drooling. <laughs> She drilled on a microphone. Oh. We don't condone breaking into people's apartments. <laughs> you know, unless it's for rose petals and champagne, okay? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if I complain about that. But as you, as you, as you, go, do another one, Casey, and then we'll Katie, talk about it. Katie. Go ahead. Okay. Um, this is my favorite one. We're in a cabin in the woods. It's raining outside. Red wine, f a fireplace, a bearskin rug. Need I say more? Horrible. <laughs> nice. my, no, my favorite on here is my girlfriend and I lie in bed together all night and make each other laugh. We ask each other questions to continue to get to know each other. We stay up until sunrises, just laying in a big comfortable bed with a fluffy blanket over us. That is my favorite. Well, you, can, you can see from all these they, they, that uh, <laughs> the senses predominate in descriptions of an enchanted evening. There's, there's not anything like... We're we're having sex. We're getting up. We're going to a football game. Well, you know, that might not be a typical male, <laughs> male enchanted evening, but it's not that kind of stuff. It's like walking along a beach, seeing a, seeing a sunset, sm smelling you know uh, uh, rose petals, and it's all about the senses. It's really about about that. And I think that if you're going to talk about how to be sexually healthy. You need to think about how your senses and how sensuality fits into your your uh, idea of how you're going to express yourself. Because I think sometimes when I hear people who have great sex lives, I mean really great sex life, they talk about the experience. 
experience of, of how they do it, not necessarily, you know, the actual act of sex, but, you know, we we uh, went away for a, a weekend into a cabin in the woods and la-di-da-di-da, you know, it's all the senses stuff. It's not about, oh, yeah, and the orgasm was great. No, it was all about everything around it. So. I think the fourth one, I think that was good that you included that one on there, Casey, the... Uh, I have the night all to myself and no phone calls, no homework, no interruptions, just me, a blanket, and the TV. I have complete access to any movie or any show I could ever think of. I get to laugh all night and not worry about anything or anyone else. Oh. I think that's an important important one to include in there, too, because mm-hmm. that's, 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 that's about knowing yourself and knowing what you want. And it's not about someone else. It's about knowing yourself. Well, it's, it's about clarity of your choices and control. You see, that person, whoever did it, has control of it. And it's like, you know, this, I can, you know, go home and just uh, mm-hmm. have an orgasmic experience without even touching myself by virtue of how I set up my surroundings and what I choose to do. So that's, that's great. Uh, since we're not getting any callers, I'm just going to go right into the top ten enhancers and detractors and and I'll get my own LifeRx I haven't done it in a while. We'll send Melissa back, or actually, we'll (laughs) we'll send our host for Torch and Twang to to be uh, to get a life RX testing Mm -hmm. because Torch and Twang. Oh, she doesn't look too happy about that. Oh, you got to try. It's fun. It's actually not that bad. It's like an enchantive evening, only better. No, like the thing (laughs) that they were. I I was able to do forty-four push-ups in a minute, and they were shocked by that. It was forty-four, like real push-ups, real push-ups in a minute. That's I think I can do it too. Maybe. Sorry. So I can. I'll challenge progressive torch and twang Ooh. to that. Ooh. Well, oh, well, together. Well, That's so not fair. <laughs> and do 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 stay tuned for them because they are my favorite program next to Exposure. Let's talk about top ten MSU's enhancers. Now this this will give you an idea. Well, we asked thousands of MSU students what what enhances uh, a uh, you know sexual situation for them. What do you think they came in with? Number one. Adequate foreplay. Adequate foreplay was the number one enhancer, which really has to do with touch, you know, and it also has to do with the fact that there were a lot more women who took this than, than men. <laughs> isn't, uh, isn't it um, recommended 30, 30 minutes? Uh, 30 minutes of most well, women, Most women want 33, yeah. 33 minutes of foreplay. That's what the average survey... 33.4. The average, <laughs> Aaron knows. <laughs> the average survey says that w- women... Uh, request or, or an average one about 30 minutes of foreplay to to achieve satisfaction. Once again, we're not saying orgasm or anything. It's just satisfaction. Now, the number one detractor, what do you think it is based on everything we've talked about? Odors. Odors. <laughs> Odors. Sense of smell. A sense of, you know, a bad foul, foul smell can really detract from a lot of things, let alone oh, sexual yeah. Foul. Yeah. Which is I haven't heard that. Not really like birds, nasty. like foul. <laughs> I, I was kissing this guy, and he just had like this oniony sandwich, and I was mm. like, mm, "That's no. not okay." Well, just... <laughs> no. Like, uh, it wasn't so bad kissing him. It was the actual like breathing. That's funny because that reminds me of like my first year of psychology here as a freshman, reading about that, and it was actually a story very similar to that. But it was a guy and a, and his wife whose first kiss was a kiss like that. And whenever they, the wife would have a sandwich like that, it was that gross. Like That's what reminded him of his first kiss, was this horrible taste. <laughs> but it was like it was like a great married, memory for so. them for some reason. So it's kind of funny how that works. Thanks for sharing that, Andrew. Yeah. About it. Hey, it was in the psychology book. They're, they talked to freak shows on there, I guess. Well, as, as you can see, and, uh, you know, this, was, this kind of information uh, was really eye-opening to a lot of people. Once you do this, because there, you can see, and I'm not going to just pick on men, but I don't think men pay as much attention to sense of smell as I've seen in, in women talk about sense of smell. And men are going, actually, when I did this in a class, the men were sitting there going, and all of a sudden they raise their hand with smell underneath their arms mm-hmm. and stuff like that, because it's one of those things that you don't think about a lot, but sometimes it's very thing. So if you look at the number two enhancer, the number two enhancer was good smell. Oh, yay. Thumbs up okay. for good smell. And, and <laughs> as, as opposed to foul smell. Well, uh, foul smell like the dorms. <laughs> I've never walked in the boys' oh, side of a dorm. The university oh, housing is That's inappropriate. Excuse me, excuse me. The residence halls smell very good. <laughs> I don't but want Aaron Paul, has a point. We love you, RHA. I don't want Paul Goldblatt calling me tomorrow and saying, what did you say about the... Okay. But the number two, de- <laughs> the number two detractor was not enough foreplay. 
So you can see how the two senses that, that are in the top two are both smell and sense of touch. Very important. The two senses that predominate when, you, when you're a baby still hold true today. That uh, it's really about that. And we can go down the list, but, you know, enhancers, number three was intimate talk, number four was music. So talk and music, both auditory, sensual, sensuous things. Number five, enhancer was sexy clothes. Uh, visual. Very visual. Number six was good kisser, very tactile. It's interesting that number six, is like, good kissing is so far down the list. Well, and, and it is the lost art. To me, kissing, <laughs> kissing is the most sensuous thing that you can be involved with in a partner. But once again, this culture seems to go from Not from to lips to <laughs> crotch in five seconds. I'll, I'll, I'll be nice to them. I'll paint it. <laughs> uh, number seven enhancer were, were showers, water, sauna. Once again, very tactile, very sensuous. And number eight was variations, positions. That, that really, that's where it comes into a little bit of the physical. But... Everything before that was all very sensual. Mm-hmm. Nine was tenderness, and we won't talk about number ten. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to encourage MSU any more than it's already been encouraged. Detractors. <laughs> that's, that's why I didn't say it. Number number two detractor was not in your foreplay, but number three was too aggressive. Uh, and number four was no privacy, which you would probably see on a campus like this yeah. because it really is not a lot of privacy in in the residence halls, although it does smell good. Uh, <laughs> number five, detractor right. was, was drunk or drinking. You know, a lot of people think that alcohol is, is a real enhancer, but it really comes up higher on the list of a detractor. Mm-hmm. Uh, six, six is too rough. And let's see, you'll be glad to know number seven is a bad kisser. Bad kisser is a, is a detractor. Uh, number eight is too much talking. So actually, as an enhancer, you like to talk, but if you talk too much, that's going to detract. <laughs> <laughs> and number nine is no originality. So you get an idea from here how the senses really are important in expression of yourself one way or another. Um, I think it's I think funny it, that burping oh. makes the top ten. What's that? Yeah. It's funny that burping makes the top ten. Top ten detractors. Top ten detractors. Mm-hmm. No, it's actually a number ten enhancer. No. <laughs> <laughs> Burping while kissing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really... Okay, we really digress now. <laughs> I just don't feel like it's that common, but apparently it is. Clearly, you made the top ten. No, but I was thinking about the, the whole bad kissing thing, because actually, um, for me, uh, one of my first boyfriends, he was the worst kisser. Oh. And it was so bad, because like, I have a very tiny mouth, and he has a very large one, so it always <laughs> end up like... All right, got to get the bib out because he wants to kiss me tonight. Casey has an awkward kiss coming up, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, I right. have to kiss someone in a show, and that's always terrible. <laughs> no, it's not terrible. It's just always a little bit awkward. Well, we could, I'm a I mean, theater major. That's what I'm talking about. Shows, not like radio shows right now. Shows. <laughs> I think part, part of this is, is you know, talking about sexual health, kind of wrap it up, is that this is all about information and all about permission and all about realizing that maybe you're not the only one with a small mouth and somebody has a big mouth. It's all about that, you know, we could do, I told Aaron on many occasions, I could do weekend seminars on how to give people information to improve the quality of their their sexuality and make a fortune because people, couples don't usually talk about that. I'm sure you didn't really say, hey, you know, your mouth is too big and I have to get the bib out when you do that. People don't usually <laughs> talk about that, but... Um, I just wanted to, before our show ends, I found this quote in Annie Sprinkle's Guide for Sex in the 90s, but I think it's still appropriate. Um, It says, we are all in the right place at the right time in our sexual evolution. Our sex lives, like all parts of our lives, go through many phases. We all learn from our experiences, including our mistakes. Allow other people their own path and allow yourself your own path. I just thought, like we were talking about, of having that permission and being comfortable with who you are, like... I just found that kind of appropriate. Yeah, and I liked it, so I read it out loud. <laughs> and so we we do have uh, uh, World AIDS Day activities coming up on December 1st, right, Katie? Yes, we do. And if people want to be tested, there is walk-in testing on that day. And if you're interested in, in helping uh, put up ribbons, uh, you can always give us a call, and we'd be glad to... to uh, uh, accommodate you because I know I'm sure everyone has been touched in one way or another from uh, the AIDS epidemic and mm-hmm. uh, may know someone who is dealing with it with HIV or has passed from, from acquired immune deficiency syndrome. So give us a call and we'll, we'll be glad to uh, help you. 
absolutely. And check Olin's website, olin.msu.edu, for upcoming information about uh, not only our own events that we're having, but also Lansing Area AIDS Network will be putting on community events that we'd like you to go out and support them as well. And I think maybe on the next show we should talk about kissing. Yes. Lost art, Melissa. Then we'll get the we'll get the folks in from Torch and Twang to to help demonstrate. <laughs> oh God, they're not they're listening not anymore. Listening. Well, I, I think that's all that we've got for Sexposure tonight. Um, one thing we before we go, it's a little announcement. Um, Brian Green from GE Aviation is coming to talk um, to see what it's like to work at the top of a supplier of aircraft engines in the world. Um, you can uh, learn more about becoming a member or even officer with ASME. Um, the event will take place Wednesday, November 8th at 6.30 p.m. in the Engineering Building Lecture Hall, uh, 134, uh, one, or 1345EB. Um, so just throwing that out there for people who are interested in aviation as well as possibly supply chain management. So just, well, I want to thank Olin for coming out once again. Um, they'll be back, of course, the first uh, Tuesday of December for people who are interested. Our uh, Christmas show. Glad Christmas to be here. Show. Yay. <laughs> Yay! We can talk about New Year's too. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. Sweet. Sounds All right. Good. Up next, <laughs> we've got Progressive Torch and Twang here on your Impact eighty-eight point nine FM. Good night. Yay. Night. Thanks for listening to this evening's exposure only on eighty-eight point nine The Impact.